2: We break down the two games Saturday slate for DFS on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Friday, December 18th. The weekend is here. Week 15 already underway. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR. Love this time of year for myriad reasons. One of them being that it is the Fantasy Football playoffs and that we get some special Saturday games. That's what we're going to talk about here today. How you doing, my man? Really well, and I am...
1: Very much ready for the end of the year with all the extra holiday games and the weird mini slates and showdown on Saturday and all the different things you can do. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Aside from you know completing the season-long leagues that are now in the semi-final rounds, it's really the best time of year to be a football fan because we're mm-hmm. finally hitting that point in the year where a lot of us get a little bit of R&R, too. We can fully step back. You know, stuff our faces with Christmas cookies and <laughs> yep. uh, drink all the holiday beers we've been saving up. Uh, at least that's what I'm planning on doing, so I'm very excited.
2: Yeah. Sounds great. I'll throw a little Hanukkah gelt in there as well and some uh, latkes. It's been uh, really a fun lead-up to this end of the uh, fantasy football season and the NFL regular season. We've got two games this Saturday. Bills-Broncos, Packers-Panthers, a couple of teams that, hey, I mean— You know, Bills-Packers, that could be a Super Bowl, so it should be a fun day on Saturday. We're just going to sort of break down the DFS slate as we go along. So Derek and I are playing with lineups as we are talking to you two, thinking that let's get a look behind the process, peel the curtain back a little bit. Before we started recording, I said, do you have to go Rodgers or Allen at quarterback? And Derek, you said maybe Drew Locke is actually the way to open things up. Why do you like like Locke this week?
1: So the way I think about DFS is – I'm kind of like Charlie Bucket from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Like, I am not bankrolled to play the maximum number of entries in big field tournaments, but I still want to bite at the apple. And by building a lineup or two, crossing my fingers, and hoping that I do the right thing at the right time, I know I also have to take that shot very carefully. And I imagine that... The overwhelming majority of lineups will use one of Rodgers or Allen. I think Mm -hmm. you could probably do the same. thing. You could build something around Teddy Bridgewater if you wanted to as well. Uh, But I do think I like Locke as the lowest utilized quarterback on the two-game slate. And I think you could run a stack around him, too. The running back situation hasn't worked out the way we thought. But you could put Locke at 5K with Tim Patrick at 4,300. And either one of Jerry Judy at 3,900 or Noah Fant at 3,800, though I do think Fant will be popular because mm-hmm. he's talented and under 4K. And then run it back with the bills of your choice, right? You want to eat some Stefan Diggs chalk this week? You got a Bronco stack. You can afford that. You've, you've got a low enough group of players already rostered. You can kind of fill in however you want. You want to get a little more crazy? Maybe it's Zach Moss week in Buffalo, and you get some leverage at all the Buffalo lineups that are loading up on Diggs and Beasley and Allen. Uh, how, how pissed is everybody else going to be when Zach Moss finds the end zone two or three times, and you've got him at 10% or whatever he ends up coming in at? Uh, so I, I just like thinking about solving the problem those ways. Not necessarily building the lineup that I think is the highest scoring lineup, but building a well-correlated lineup that a lot of other people are completely overlooking. Just doing something very different than the field, especially when we're talking about a two-game slate. It's a little harder to get differentiation. If we're talking about a main slate on a Sunday, there are disgusting stacks you could throw out there any time to get low-rostered players in your lineup.
2: Right, Stefan Diggs definitely going to be chalk, as you said. Uh, he's at 7,900. Devontae Adams, 9,400. That's going to be a chalky play. Uh, Mike Davis, maybe the chalkiest play at $6,500 on this slate. What's good chalk here? Is there What's good chalk? What's bad chalk? What do you want to chase and what are you going to let other people go for?
1: I mean, I think with Devontae Adams, the way he's used in that offense is unique, right? There are very few receivers in the league who get that volume and score as often as he does like look at his touchdown streak he has scored in every single game since week seven with three multi-td games sprinkled in there and he's had at least nine targets in every single game except for week two when he got hurt against the lions so you have a crazy high volume floor but you get this unbelievable ceiling because aaron Rodgers gets down inside the five and says you know what i'm gonna throw to my guy sorry Uh, aaron jones Right. So, I mean, I think Devontae Adams is good chalk, and you're paying a lot to get it at $9,400, but I think of all the expensive players, he's the one that I'm least likely to fade. Uh, That doesn't mean I'm not going to have lineups without him, though, because, again, I'm trying to go at it a different way. I am going to walk into the Aaron Jones trap again. Uh, I am going to watch the Packers get into the red zone four times and do something else, and... You know, be happy and sad at the same time. As a Packer fan, I'll be happy they scored. As someone who rostered Aaron Jones on DraftKings hoping to win a lot of money, I will be sad. But, you know, that's the sort of uh, cognitive dissonance that you have to live with as a DFS player.
2: I mean, Aaron Jones is just the perfect guy, though, to go in that opposite direction with. I mean, if you're talking about the Drew Locke lineup, I think Aaron Jones has to be in there because, I mean, look at his game logs, right? 15 for 69 uh, last week. Uh, it's a, it's an efficient game like we're used to seeing from Aaron Jones. He just didn't get in the end zone. 17 for 90 against the Bears a couple of weeks ago. Inefficient game. He just didn't get in the end zone. I mean, this is something that Aaron Jones does week after week after week, and, like, Event Every so often, he pops the 77-yard touchdown run that he did against the Eagles in Week 13. Or we go back to Week 2 against the Lions when he goes for 168 and two touchdowns and adds a third through the air. He's still a dangerous receiver, too, and they will use him in that sort of way pretty much every single week this season. Uh, at least four targets in one, two, three, four, five, six games on the year it hasn't happened since Week 11, so maybe you're a little bit troubled by that trend. But still, I mean, this is just someone who gets so involved for the Packers in every way, and you're just waiting for him to pop a touchdown. If you're going in another direction, I feel like he has to be in there.
1: Yeah, I think he's a great pivot from Davis. Mike Davis at 6,500 will be popular for good reason. Like You should use Davis in a lot of your builds. If right. you make more than one lineup, consider making a lineup without Mike Davis. And I think you know one reason to consider going against Davis Davis as far as how the field's going to play is that you could also do something with the Panthers receivers you could do a Panthers stack instead of a Broncos stack and that gets you some differentiation away from those top end quarterbacks as well Uh, with Jones being $800 more than Mike Davis I would guess a lot of optimizers and projection systems are going to just nudge everybody to Davis because their projections will not be that different and they'll encourage you to save the 800 bucks but that's the perfect time to do the opposite thing so I like going after one of the Carolina receivers, putting like Robbie Anderson in a lineup with Aaron Jones, having a Denver stack with either you know Digs in the flex, or uh, you could do Zach Moss, like I mentioned before, and then you get your Green Bay exposure to a player like Aaron Jones. To me, that's a great core to have if you're trying to do something very different.
2: It's crazy. I mean, even in this, like I just thought, all right, let's just play around, right? Two games, let's just play around, just do it live. We'll do it live. We'll just mess around with it live and. Here we are still like racking our brain with uh, not exactly being able to zero in on what we want to do. But that is uh, part of the puzzle in the DFS world.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
2: I would actually want to go back to that Carolina wide receiver group because right when you said them, I was looking at them, and Curtis Samuel jumps out at me a little bit just with the way they've used him, especially when Christian McCaffrey has been out of the lineup like He's a pretty interesting dude to me at just $4,800. Last week, nine targets, two attempts. Week before, five targets, one attempt. Week before, ten targets, one attempt. Week before, five targets, three attempts. Like, they clearly want to get him the ball, and they almost don't care how they do it. He's an interesting guy to me. At $4,800, the sort of guy who unlocks a lot of different avenues for you. Like, you could get him in there with Adams antics. You could get him in there with Adams and Mike Davis. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to work Curtis Samuel in, and I think he's almost a must if you are going to go for Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think with DJ Moore being priced down at 5,200, I think that's going to maybe lead a few people to overlook Curtis Samuel because they'll see an easy path to just spend the extra 400. Uh, This kind of leads me to a bigger point about a two-game slate I don't think you have to spend every dollar. I mean, I know a yeah. lot of times you leave 100 bucks, 200 bucks on the table just because of the way the pieces fit together. I think you could leave a lot more than that on the table as another way in tournaments to get a lot of of a different look. I mean, I just built a lineup with 2100 dollars left on the board <laughs> and it's it has DeVonte Adams in it and it has Aaron Jones in it and it has a 6K receiver and Robbie Anderson in it. So, you know, maybe there's one upgrade somewhere in that lineup that I would actually use before submitting it. But I don't hate the idea of leaving a little more money than usual on the table just to avoid the most common builds Mm -hmm. that you're going to see entered into tournaments. So, you know, there's a few different ways you can do it. Uh, I do think you, you could do it. The Panther stack. The Panther stack is like the ultimate anti-Davis move. Like, it, yeah. it really is, because is. Davis could still have a good yardage day, right? He could run through that mm-hmm. that Packers defense and pile up 120 yards from scrimmage or something and have a good day. But if he doesn't score, if he's a big yardage day, catches a handful of passes, doesn't find the end zone, it's a good game and not a great game. And if you end up with underpriced Panthers pass catchers who haul in a bunch of TDs from Teddy Bridgewater, suddenly you're in a really good position over the field, going that route. And I think they are priced cheaply enough where you can get any combination of Carolina players you want to put around Teddy Bridgewater this
2: weekend. All right, last thing. Are there any guys who you look at and you're just right, no, no thanks. You're 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 not making it. There's a lot of ways to do a lineup here, but you're not going to be part of any of them.
1: Hmm. It's a, always an interesting question. Like, who gets <laughs> X'd out? Um,
2: you, you have to make that decision, right? I mean, eventually you have to just, like say, I'm not starting... Melvin Gordon for example who's probably going to be my guy.
1: Yeah, that that just makes me want to play Melvin Gordon. Like, the the <laughs> fact that no one likes him <laughs>
2: not as a person. I love Melvin Gordon. Right, you I, know that?
1: I, I also <laughs> really like Melvin Gordon. I you know, we're Wisconsin graduates, we're, we're fans like we we like Melvin Gordon, but Yeah. I'd look at him and I'm just like, Ugh, this this seems like a game that Denver's going to have to chase. And if they're chasing, Gordon's not out there as much as he ordinarily would be, and he becomes extremely touchdown dependent. But he's only 5,200, so Mm -hmm. there's reasonable risk there. I don't think there's anybody that I'm completely ignoring, but I think the player that I'm most likely to fade that the field likes is Mike Davis. It's not Price. It's just how chalky he's going to be. And I wonder with Davis... You know, he had, he had a big game last week. It was 2 TDs. It was 11 for 51 on the ground mm-hmm. and 5 for mm-hmm. 42 through the air. It wasn't crazy high usage and even though it was efficient, I don't know. He he just doesn't seem like he's getting the McCaffrey volume that he was getting when he first took over earlier this year when 20 points every week was the norm. But last right. week to me felt more like an outlier and I wonder if if that's what's kind of steering me away from an otherwise great matchup in this case. I mean, it's all about leverage. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. I think Davis is the player I'm most likely to fade. Is he a true X out? Probably not,
2: but I I just want to do something else. My other thing with them is like, I don't know, man. The Packers are just such a machine at home, especially against teams that they're obviously better than. Like, show me one game this season where the Packers haven't just steamrolled an opponent like this eight and a half point favorites. And I just feel like, I feel like the game could get out of hand in a way that's not going to play well for Mike Davis. And that's what that's like the last nudge I need. And it's also why, as I circle back to the beginning of this discussion, you can make all the arguments you want for uh, Charlie Bucket and Drew Locke. But I'm trying to find my way to get Aaron Rodgers in here because I think this is a Packers smash in this game. And not the DFS smash. I mean, I think that the Packers roll over that eight-and-a-half-point spread and control that game throughout. Uh, That's going to do it, though. That's where we got to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. We've got one more week left of this. We've got one more week left of the Fantasy Football season, one more week left of Fantasy Football in 15 before we take a little bit of time off from the show. So thanks so much for listening today and all season long. We'll be with you all next week. But until then, for Derek Van Riper, I'm Michael Beller. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy all of the Week 15 action.